0: Good morning, artisans. Lessons in Love, a study of 1 John, People of the Lie. The Mennonite brethren writer, Rudy Weeb, in his novel, My Lovely Enemy, at one point chronicles a Jesus visitation with a Mennonite English professor in the library stacks at the University of Alberta. The narrative states, that the reason for the conversation the two of them are having is to discuss genital sex in light of an affair the professor is currently engaged in, all of which is in significant incongruity in the professor's life in view of his stated beliefs and expected behaviour. A goodly portion of the Mennonite Brethren Canadian constituency, I think, took note of that literary conversation when the book first came out, and for many, the shock of that story in full print for everyone in the world to read did not result in an all-around good, positive response to Rudy's new book, nor even for Rudy himself in the conservative Mennonite community. When I read the book the first time, I thought that, among other things, the point that Weeb was trying to make in his novel was that our human urge for intimate connection with another and the innate human inner draw toward God are the two most important pulls and forces within our beings and hence are somehow related. Weeb's novel came to mind for me when Nelson, in his September 13th intro to this series, this series in 1st John, quoted Eugene Peterson saying, the two most difficult things to get straight in life are love and God. The basic and biblical convention conviction is that the two subjects are intricately related. Hence, here we are in a walk through the biblical book 1 John. Nelson has named the series Lessons in Love. But because of the interplay of love and God in our existence is so complex any notions around the subject as a whole may well conjure up confusion with positives and negatives along the way. My task today is captured in the title of this short reflection through a negative window entitled People of the Lie, which may or may not be a nod back to M. Scott Peck's popular book by that same name some decades ago. So today in that vein, we're looking into the very dense 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 to 29. Listen as I read it. And read along if you happen to have a Bible with you. I'm reading from the message today. Its language is sometimes easier to follow than some of the others. And I'm going to ask you, both in this room, in the recording, and when you're watching it on Sunday or any other time, to listen for words, for concepts, for a phrase that jumps out at you. And I will ask you, to remember what that was at some point later. What made you curious? So, let's go to the reading. 1 John 2, starting with verse 15. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants wants is set for eternity. Children, time is just about up. You heard that Antichrist is coming. Well, they're all over the place. Antichrist everywhere you look. That's how we know that we're close to the end. They left us, but they were never really with us. If they had been, they would have stuck it out with us, loyal to the end. In leaving, they showed their true colours, showed they never did belong. But you belong. The Holy One anointed you, anointed you, and you all know it. I haven't been writing this to tell you something you don't know, but to confirm the truth that you do know, and to remind you that truth doesn't breed lies. So who is lying here? It's the person who denies that Jesus is the divine Christ. That's who. This is what makes an antichrist. Denying the father, denying the son. No one who denies the son has any part with the father. But affirming the son is an embrace of the father as well. Stay with what you heard from the beginning. From the beginning, the original message. Let it sink into your life. If what you heard from the beginning lives deeply in you, You will live deeply in both Son and Father. This is exactly what Christ promised. Eternal life, real life. I've written to warn you about those who are trying to deceive you, but you're no match for what's embedded deeply within you. Christ's anointing, no less. You don't need any of their so-called teaching. Christ's anointing teaches you the truth on everything you need to know about yourself and him uncontaminated by a single lie. Live deeply in what you were taught. And now, children, stay with Christ. Live deeply in Christ. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, with no cause or red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. Once you're convinced that he is right and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. Thus it is written, thanks be to God. Looking back at verse 29, where it says, once you're convinced that he is right and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. We could add the words that we used to sing in that old song, they will know us by our love. It's connected. But to keep moving, what do we have in this complicated and complex text that we should talk about so that we can better grasp and hold and live from? So in this room and in your house this morning, wherever you are, what's a word, what's a concept, what's an idea? What touched you that you wondered about, that you wish you could ask a question about, that you wish you could change? What's a word? Anyone? Wanting, 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 keeps repeating it. It's easy to feel that we are trapped in a split, in a divided, a bifurcated world. Young, old, COVID, pre-COVID, straight, gay, body, spirit, sacred, profane, lies, truth. We so often feel torn pressured from one side or the other and both, it's, should we, shouldn't we? Yes, no, today, tomorrow, I think John, the writer of this text, whichever one of the many Johns we met in the New Testament he might have been, is actually speaking to life's plethora of juxtapositions. Here's what I found stepped out at me reading this text over and over. You may well have seen and heard and felt other things, and your stirrings would be just as valid as mine are. Let me assure you that scripture is made up of layers and layers and layers of insight and knowledge and guidance. And I will run past you a number of words in the next few minutes that you probably noticed in the reading, but you can explore the ones I missed in your own study and even get back to me in an email or a text if you wish. Conversation on these things is always welcome, 24 hours a day. One then, we can focus on and be principally consumed by all in our world that is available to us. Wanting, wanting, wanting so much that is seemingly within reach. But our text tells us, but maybe not. And if they are, they aren't what they appear. Or we can primarily focus on what God wants of us. And of God, we can be sure. John warns us right up front that much of the wanting can very well make us children of the lie. And what's more, can isolate us, cut us off from God. He more than intimates with the understanding and encouragement that it's not an equal battle. The world's enticements are vapid, empty attractions. Secondly, in our world, there are antichrists. Serious distractions, speaking lies and deceptions in our ears, on the one hand. And Eugene Peterson uses the singular and the plural text. But on the other hand, there is Jesus, the divine Christ, adds John. And the Antichrist ran. Jesus is here. And over and over against these lies bombarding us, he reminds us, he says, that even us have been anointed. Anointed spiritually daubed with truth, painted with the knowledge of what is right. We don't understand anointment in this day and age or we don't experience it. The pouring of oil on the head and we have that wonderful image in the, in the psalms of the oil running down the face and we don't understand the beauty of it and the depth of it. But it's profound and it never in its own mysterious way leaves the person. We are not being, we've not been thrown helter-skelter into the deep pool of our human existence without a paddle or a way to swim. In the first place, besides being anointed, we were made in the image of God. We find that evidence all over the scripture. We're all chips off the old block, so to speak. And I hope that doesn't sound blasphemous. That revealed concept is meant to remind us of our reality and worth in God's eyes. Every one of us is God's favorite child. God can pull that off. Even the world, whilst it is rampant with temptation to grasp for what's less, cheap imitations and counterfeit promises and lies, also contains in our living God, his being and nature revealed for all of us to see, and we live betwixt and between those two. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, us, because God has shown it. Ever since the creation of the world, His eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things He has made. So they, we, are without excuse. And John doesn't just stay with our inherent, mystically, inner knowledge. He reminds his listeners, then and now, that on top of the natural le- learning we have been afforded living in this globe, we have been taught, in the meantime, those of us who have been in places such we are in today. We have heard of him, all of which has reinforced the preexistence inner knowing that we have been carrying by virtue of our spiritual inheritance, our godly DNA. And that's what is rubbed off on us, like pollen on a bee in the natural context of our living. The evidence on the God side of our living room is piled up to our spiritual ceiling, to the roof with truth. On the other side of what our humanness can be drawn to, is, in all its delicious ways, is barely as high as the baseboards and it is rife with lies. There should be no comparing of the opposites of the bifurcation we are standing between in our world of two kingdoms. We belong to God. Fight down, fight back the deception, the lies that shout to Jesus and what living in him means is not everything we need. John reminds us that Jesus is embedded in us. Breathe him in and breathe him out, deeply. Live deeply in Christ, he says. Reach out, reach in, reach up to the mystery of truth. Our God who is love, in whom we see most clearly in Jesus. And in Christ, then, we become God's love, personified and lived out. What do we get when we live deeply in Christ? Breathing him in and breathing him out. How do we do this thing called living deeply in him and standing against all the calls and desires of pull, pulls appearing to be sweet fruit and good sense and easy living yet beset with lies and distractions from our abundant living in Christ? John says, don't go grasping for no thing else. It's a star that flames out. It's a sun that goes down. It's a rain that's dry. It's a fire that doesn't burn, that catches our eye, that dazzles our brain, that loosens our will, and squelches our good sense, and the quiet voice of the minding Holy Spirit. We are so smart. We can be so foolish. Weeks ago, when it became apparent to Canadians that some of our leaders had made a significant misstep, had not anticipated consequences in certain meetings, A CBC reporter asked on the nightly news, were there no adults in the room? That's us. When I was a somewhat rascalian boy, from ages 12 to 15 or so, some would say stretched on both ends of that considerably, my tendencies weren't conducive to an always easy journey with my overly protective immigrant parents. I was often asked two questions at the end of the day, or even partly through. Have you taken leave of your senses? Well, yes, I guess. And what were you thinking? Well, I wasn't, to be honest. But I'm not sure I've always grown up that often since then. We cannot ignore and wish away the opposite poles and poles in our living but we can choose wisely. We can take a breath. He is in the breath. The power of Christ is in us to withstand the magnetic pull of that which has the potential to drag us astray. And John's call to live deeply in Christ is a cry to choose wisely. His words are both prescriptive and descriptive. We can, we are able to co-create our lives with Jesus. He is able and available to walk with us and does, even in our unawareness often, I find, our image-bearing manifesting itself in a kind of spirit-inspired autopilot. When we can, in those rare moments, see ourselves in our body, soul, and spirit mirror and where others can see his way in us, that we are in a trajectory of living single-mindedly in Christ, we do find ourselves wise and led, centered, tossed to and fro no longer, belief and behavior dancing together, body and soul that one met with Jesus, service and worship embracing one another, individual and community woven together, the lies left behind and guilt diminished. In all those miracle moments, we have the signal that Jesus is in us right down the line. Love no longer torn. Love no longer misunderstood, eternally unreal. The lessons of love coming home to roost. Jesus says as he makes his home in us, he can make our home in him. The notion of home metaphorically and in reality is as Henry Nouwen has said it is, quote, that place or space where we don't have to be afraid but can let go of our defenses and be free, free from worries, free from tension, free from pressure, home where we can laugh and cry, embrace and dance, sleep long and dream quietly, eat, read, play, watch the fire, listen to music, and be with a friend, home where we can rest and be healed in the house of love. To live deeply in Christ's house means we we have come back And we are continually coming back to what was our intended destiny at our timeless creation. To that place where the conversation with Jesus in the library stacks, recongruence, will eternally be a celebration of him in us with his mind commingled with ours in connection satiated, set free, at peace, in uncluttered love, fully bloomed, growing, shouting, dancing, silently, loudly, ecstatically, serenely, consummated in the ongoing, renewing of all things. People of the lie know more. People of the lie no more. Where can we be where there is anything greater than that? there is no greater state of being. Receive it, invite it, embrace it. Live in God's house of love and be in love completely.